With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we're going to catch our breath a little bit after the whirlwind of the last three weeks and the head coaching search for the Seahawks. Check some news, notes, rumors. Who's going to be the OC? We've got a couple of names. There are some others that haven't been mentioned that I think might be in the mix. Defensive coordinator. Coach McDonald says if he hires the right guy at some point, he may hand off play calling duties to him. It's an important role. Who might that be? Did Coach McDonald let something slip yesterday in his introductory press conference that may give us a clue as to what the plans might be at quarterback? And on the 10th year anniversary today of the Seahawks winning their first and only Super Bowl to this point, I'll share a rather crazy story of where I was, what I was doing, how that all went down for me in those moments I haven't told this one on the show, so today seemed like the appropriate time. We'll gather all that stuff up and hand it off to you next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. It does feel like we can finally take a little bit of a breath, right? There's still a lot to be done, a lot of work to be done. Lots of things to talk about. Everybody wants to move on to the next step now. I've even had conversations today on Twitter. Follow me at Seahawks Forever uh, about draft. You know, everyone's got to turn their attention now to the roster. Free agency draft. Uh, I posted a mock draft today that I like so much, actually, that I may um, do a show around it, get into some details about that uh, tomorrow. Um, but rest assured, over the next couple of months, there will be many Many, many mock drafts, some live, some including other people, some point counterpoint, some crazy scenarios, some conservative scenarios. Uh, Before we get into today's show, hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notification of new episodes Uh, on any audio platform, hit subscribe so you never miss a show. And uh, if you want to subscribe on Spotify, you can do that for under a dollar a month and then you won't hear any ads. I will have that link in the description as well as as the link to buy me a coffee or a beer if you want to support me, the show, and what I do. All right. So today just seemed like a day to kind of take stock. As I said, take a breath, gather ourselves, spend some time in Sedona, Arizona a couple days ago, a place where they, they claim there are some vortexes there that it's a place that has positive energy. They encourage you to take a deep breath and try to feel the energy. Don't know if I did that, but I did come back refreshed. 
that, that whole coaching process was stressful, right? Like waking up and checking Twitter every day, refresh, refresh, refresh. I think my phone was on the charger more than it wasn't over the last couple of weeks. So there is some relief, especially knowing that we got our guy, right? There was a lot of consternation, a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of nervousness about what if we hire the wrong guy? A lot of you hated the Mike Kafka idea. A lot of you hated the Dan Quinn idea. Um, but I think universally, there is excitement among the 12s today. Such a hard thing to move on from a legend, a guy like Pete Carroll, whose, whose aura was everywhere. It was weird watching that press conference yesterday. It still feels kind of weird. Pete wasn't around. I'm going to do a show coming up in the next couple of days about, you know, how much are we going to see Pete, if at all? I think some of you have an idea that that analyst role is real <laughs> and legit and involves an office and a presence at VMAC. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit deeper coming up. But, you know, each and every day that goes by, by each and every interview we watch with the coach and, and, and now, you know, we get into the nuts and bolts of building a roster and building this team. We'll start to get some, some clues and things will become clear. And then we'll get comfortable with the idea that he's the guy now. Uh, but who are the other guys, right? That's where we have to get into uh, the next phase of this. And it needs to move rather quickly. A lot of the great candidates have already been snatched up. One of the costs of waiting for Mike McDonald is you've lost out on some good coordinator and position coach opportunities. Um, but John Schneider has a lot of connections. Mike McDonald has a lot of connections. You know, John talked about the network that he has built at such a young age and, and the people that he knows. And certainly the Harbaugh family is key to that as well because they have branches that extend out all throughout college and pro football. And so I think it expands the hiring pool clearly based on what we're hearing about the offensive coordinator position. Only one coach reportedly retained so far or, or locked up. And that is Carl Scott, the secondary coach who's so highly thought of uh, with the Seahawks. That'll, that'll give McDonald some continuity with all those young players in the secondary. I'll talk about another guy that I'd like to see them retain here in a minute, but let's get into the offensive coordinator thing. News broke yesterday that Ryan Grubb is under consideration for that position. And this is fascinating for a number of reasons, right? Grubb who has followed Kalen DeBoer for, you know, a decade and a half through the college ranks as DeBoer was climbing the ladder. Uh, has coached some positions for him, but has been his primary right-hand man and play caller for the last 10 years, all the way back to uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And has done great work and had head coaching opportunities a year ago, decided to stay and pursue a national championship with, with UW this year. And they came up just, they came up just short, so close, facing Michigan for the national title game. Grubb is 47 years old. He has spent his entire career in college that has concerned a lot of people. He hasn't coached in the NFL at all. To that, I would say this, and I and I had these conversations online last night. There is so much crossover now between college and pro that I think the first thing we saw is that the NFL started borrowing uh, spread concepts, air raid concepts, years ago and incorporating that 
into their schemes, there's a lot more carryover. And then I think the emphasis on playing highly drafted quarterbacks earlier in their career, just because of salary cap ramifications, et cetera, um, has forced teams to adapt even more and make uh, offenses at this level more more recognizable for them. Um, easier for them to adapt to early in their careers. But at the same time, college offenses have advanced as well. And there's a lot of NFL influences. It's it's kind of, it's gone back and forth. That college offenses are so much more complex now that a lot of these guys, even though they some of them never get under center, some of the terminology is different. They're able to do the whiteboard stuff at a level that I don't know if quarterbacks 10, 15, 20 years ago were able to. Um, so I'm, I don't know about that. Also, UW has played at a very high level. You've seen the last couple of years and playing in the playoffs. And you saw, yeah, they struggled against Michigan. Uh, but there were a, a lot of dudes on that Michigan defense that you're going to see playing on Sundays and starting beginning this next year. Um, and, and that was a scheme that was installed in 2021 by Mike McDonald. He changed the scheme during his one year as defensive coordinator there at Michigan. They continue to run that scheme. That's the scheme that shut down Ryan Grubb's offense in the national title game. Certainly, Mike McDonald's going to get some insight there, right? Hey, Jim, what was it like? What did you see on tape as you're preparing for that national title game? Ryan Grubb wouldn't be under consideration, I'm quite certain, unless Jim Harbaugh said, man, this guy has it. I mean, we got him. We got him in that game. We came up with a good plan, and we played hard, and we played well. But man, the stuff I saw on film was impressive. So that's what leads me to believe that this might be a match. Uh, led the Huskies to an outstanding year, obviously, and offensively last year. Second in the nation in passing yards per game. 13th in yards per game. 13th in points per game. Uh, but he also, there were times where he would run the football very effectively. Um, has some experience coaching offensive line. That offensive line at UW last year. Uh, I can't remember the name of the award, but they were voted the best offensive line in college football, an award that I think the previous two years in a row went to the University of Michigan's offensive line. But there were times that he would lean on, I, I can't remember the opponent, but there was a game that he he hand, they had to run the ball and he handed it to Dylan Johnson 30 times. And they were physical and they'd, they'd run down your throats. I mean, Johnson had a 1,200-yard, 16-touchdown season, even though he battled some injuries. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Hugh Millen hasn't always been correct in his assessments. We'll never forget when he said he would eat the microphone if Russell Wilson ever became the starting quarterback of the Seahawks. That didn't age well. But the former UW quarterback certainly is connected to that program, is emotionally invested in that program, watches it closely, has a history, is a longtime quarterback in the NFL and a guy who's coached quarterbacks. Uh, he was asked if Ryan Grubb is ready to be an NFL coordinator. He said, I don't think... Ryan Grubb is 100% ready to be an NFL coordinator. I think he's 1,000% ready. It sounds like he is the uh, the front runner here. Uh, good friend of the show, Whitney, uh, who many of you probably know from Twitter, who correctly, through a, uh, a connection she has, a contact, a friend, correctly reported the night before Mike McDonald was hired as head coach here, that he was on a plane with his family, with his wife to Seattle, and that he's the guy. Uh, also, through that same source yesterday, said Grubb is the leader in the clubhouse. I also had a guest last night, um, 
at work who claimed that Grubb was the guy, was telling others in his group that Grubb had been hired as offensive coordinator. And uh, I'd been off Twitter for a couple hours. I said, is this confirmed? And he said, well, it's, I, I know somebody who knows. Take, you know, take that with a grain of salt. This guy, let me just say, he seemed like the kind of guy that might read something on Twitter and then just make it true. But you put that together with what, uh, with what Whitney is hearing and, uh, and Grubb may soon be the offensive coordinator. Why is it taking so long then if he's the guy? Well, something to keep in mind is that teams are beholden to the Rooney rule for coordinator positions, just as they are with head coaches and GMs. Now, it's not as restrictive for head coaches and GMs. You have to have at least two in-person interviews with minority candidates. Uh, You can do them virtually, I believe, for coordinator jobs, but they have to interview at least two. Um, That shouldn't be difficult or take long for them uh, to adhere to since, you know, we've heard that T Martin might make some sense. The quarterback's coach in Baltimore has worked with, worked with McDonald has extensive history as a play caller in college and has coached, uh, pretty much every position on the, on the offense other than offensive line, uh, in the NFL, the former Tennessee quarterback who won the national championship after Peyton Manning went to the NFL. Um, certainly I would, I would be shocked if they don't interview him. Uh, I think we may be waiting on the decision by Dan Quinn in Washington. Is he going to retain Eric Bieniemy? Or there's a lot of buzz there around Chip Kelly, which is interesting. Um, if Bieniemy is released from his contract, he would make sense. Not just because he satisfies the Rooney rule, but because he would, I would imagine, would be a, an attractive candidate. Uh, as a guy who came up under Andy Reid, who John Schneider has a great relationship with and an affinity for and you can connect a lot of dots there, and and uh, it's not uh, it's not hard to imagine Bienemy being a candidate here. Andy Dickerson is another one. I told you I'd talk about a guy that I want to be retained. Has yet to accept another job yet. He has interviewed for a number of positions, including I think this caught some of us by surprise, but offensive coordinator positions. I know in Cincinnati he interviewed for that job. I think he may have interviewed for the Cleveland job as well as an OC. Could the Seahawks interview him? for that position or, or kind of make it a combo interview, let Mike McDonald get to know him because there are many who hold Dickerson in high regard and would like to have him back again as the Seahawks run game coordinator and offensive line coach. Uh, it has been reported in the last 24 hours the New England Patriots may be making him a priority to bring, uh, to offer him their offensive line job. Uh, he played football in that area, I think. He may be from New England, but there's a connection there. Uh, so that that rule won't take long. That could be satisfied by later today. You know, I don't know what two interviews means. You know, can you end a Zoom call and then call back an hour later? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, there's one other name that has been reported, though, that the Seahawks have actually, while Ryan Grubb is under consideration because they don't have to request interviews, they don't have to jump through the NFL hoops with him. Uh, Tanner Engstrand is a very interesting candidate as well. And I'm not so sure that I don't like him better than Ryan Grubb. Passing game coordinator for the Lions. So he is Ben Johnson's right-hand man. Presumably, if Johnson had gotten a head coaching job, Engstrand would have been promoted to that coordinator job in Detroit. Uh, 41 years old. And there are connections here, right? He's interviewed for some OC jobs as well. But there, uh, well, let me just give you his background first. Uh, 2006 through 2017, 
He was at the University of San Diego. So a long run there. And he worked his way up all the way up to offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. But he was initially hired in 2006 as a grad assistant at San Diego by, and I had to look this up because it's amazing that so much time has gone by, Jim Harbaugh. It was Harbaugh's last year. I think Harbaugh left San Diego in 2006 or 2007. So there would be some intel there. And then uh, he left San Diego in 2017 to take a job as an offensive analyst at the University of Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. He spent one year there. Then he took an offensive coordinator position in the XFL for the DC Defenders and then was hired by the Lions in 2021 as an offensive and uh, offensive assistant. And then uh, this last year he was given the title of tight end coach and passing game coordinator. And obviously you see the production in the year that Sam Laporta had as a rookie there um, under his guidance. So very, very interesting there. Uh, I think if those were the only two candidates, I'd be really excited about the possibility there. Coach McDonald said yesterday that they didn't, wasn't at the top of his list to hire a guy who had, been in the NFL for a long time or called plays for a long time or called plays ever. They're looking for someone who has the right mind, the right ideas, the right concepts, the same vision and can communicate that and coach. I think what we've learned about Mike McDonald and what makes him such an effective coach and those skills, um, I, I, I think are things that they'll look for in their other coaches as well. So if it's just those two, man, that's a, that's a fun field to think about, isn't it? Of course, the Ryan Grubb hire, if it happens, would lead to immediate speculation of how interested are the Seahawks in Michael Penix Jr., who projects to be anywhere from a mid to late first round pick all the way to a third round pick. A lot of teams have concerns about his medicals, the fact that he's hasn't shown the kind of dynamic mobility that the NFL values now in quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, People's last memory of him is the Michigan game where he struggled. Um, but that's something that, you know, we'll talk about down the road, right? Um, are there names that haven't been mentioned yet? Yeah, of course. And one that comes to the forefront and a favorite of a uh, friend of the show, Michael Thompson, is Clint Kubiak. It's a passing game coordinator with the 49ers, son of Gary Kubiak. And there is a connection here, right? Kubiak's in demand. He's interviewed for some coordinator jobs. Hasn't gotten any yet. He interviewed in Tampa and they ended up hiring. No, wait. Interviewed in New England. They ended up hiring Alex Van Pelt. I think he interviewed in Tampa as well or may be interviewing. Um, but, his, uh, but Gary Kubiak, his dad, was the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, in 2014 on a staff that Mike McDonald was part of and was one of the guys that when McDonald got the job yesterday, um, uh, somebody reached out to him for a quote and he just raved about how he knew there was something special about McDonald from the moment he met him. So there's another, there's a connection there. And if there's some intel or insight that the Seahawks have into Clint Kubiak, who uh, when his dad was in Minnesota a few years ago, Kubiak had spent some time calling plays there I think he coordinated the run game there. And there may be some guys off the radar that we're not even thinking about as well. But that's where that stands. And I do think that, uh, you know, Coach McDonald said sooner rather than later, they're going to get those positions filled. Uh, with the Senior Bowl Saturday, I would think they'd want to lock this down in the next 
48 hours. And then we would hear something maybe by end of day tomorrow um, on that front because it's it's important and there's a lot of work to do and they got to get going. And we'll talk about the quarterback here in a second. Um, meanwhile, we're not hearing any buzz about defensive coordinator, but there are some logical dots to connect here as well. The first one would have been uh, Denard Wilson or Zach Orr, two highly, highly, highly regarded defensive assistants with Baltimore who have uh, uh, gotten, they, they actually had four staff members on that crew get defensive coordinator um, interviews this offseason. And one even got head coaching interviews. Uh, Zach Orr, though, a uh, little bit surprisingly, was promoted to defensive coordinator in Baltimore. Denard Wilson got the job in Tennessee, so they're off the board. The reason I say surprising about Orr is because a lot of people assume that Anthony Weaver would be promoted there. He was getting head coaching interviews. The commanders interviewed him for their head coaching job. He had the title of assistant head coach in addition to defensive line. So you wonder now, he has now been passed over twice because he was under consideration for defensive coordinator when McDonald got the job in 2022 and came back from Michigan. And now he's been passed over again. So it makes sense unless there's a DC position out there from another organization and he is interviewing or has interviewed in Miami, might he want to get out from under the shadow of Mike McDonald, go on his own way and establish his own resume. But I find it fascinating what Mike McDonald said in his press conference yesterday when asked if he'll call plays. He said, yeah, absolutely. Definitely this year, you know, to start with, I'm going to call plays. I think it's important to establish the scheme and get that installed. But ultimately, I am the head coach. And if we get the right guy in here, and at a certain point, I feel like he's ready, then he'll call plays. I found that fascinating. Not just because it speaks to his philosophy as a head coach, the kind of philosophy you want to have. Remember how badly it went for Brandon Staley with the Chargers. And part of that was he was just so stubborn and he refused and he got really testy with reporters and, and defensive when asked if he was going to allow someone else to call plays, if he was going to give that up, if he had too much on his plate. I thought that was a very mature answer from McDonald. And I think that might be an attractive situation or make it more attractive for Weaver if he's considering coming out here. Uh, the other one is Chris Hewitt, uh, their passing game coordinator. Um, he's been with Baltimore for a long time, uh, 12, 13 years now, since 2012. He might be another candidate as well. I'd be, I'd be really surprised, to be honest, if the defensive coordinator isn't Weaver or Hewitt. It just makes, it just makes too much sense, doesn't it? I told you we'd talk about the quarterback before I get to my uh, Super Bowl 10th year anniversary story. I mentioned this on the show briefly yesterday, but I found this to be fascinating, not just because we heard it, but because nobody seemed to pick up on it. But McDonald was asked about the quarterback position, obviously. And he started out by raving about Geno, and I wouldn't say raving, but speaking very highly of Geno Smith, and you'll hear a little bit about that, that in the clip here. Um, but he, he started off by saying, you know, I think he's at the Pro Bowl right now. Geno's a good quarterback. And, uh, and then he let something slip. And I'm just going to play this for you, maybe twice, and then we'll talk about it. But we're going to build around the quarterback. 
Hey, you got to. Just like we said on defense, we built the system around the players on defense. We're going to build it around the players on offense, and the most player, most important player is the is the QB. So um, we'll see how the whole situation shakes out over time. Um, but excited to, to get to meet those guys, Drew. I mean, uh, I'm there. I talked to Gino briefly after our game and told him how much I respected him. Not anticipating I'd see him in six months or three months or however long it's been. But um, yeah, just really excited to meet the rest of the guys. You know, especially especially the QBs and uh, get to know them and kind of see what makes them tick so we can start to build the system around them. So he name drops Drew, Drew Locke. He references the guys. I want to meet the guys. He references those guys, plural. And then he mentions QBs, plural. Drew Locke is not under contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Drew Locke is an unrestricted free agent. Why would he mention that in those terms? Now, maybe it's just he has a lot on his mind. He hadn't slept. He wasn't thinking. He, he's aware that Drew was on the roster last year. He, you know, he, he admitted yesterday he didn't even know where the indoor was at the VMAC. Hadn't even gotten a full tour yet. Doesn't know where things are. Maybe he's just going off of the top of his head and isn't aware that Drew is a free agent. But John didn't stop him. And not that he would. That'd be an awkward moment, wouldn't it? You know, John leans over. Uh, hey, coach. Uh, Drew's a free agent. But might it also mean that Drew's in the plans? February 16th is coming up fast. We are two weeks from today from when the Seahawks have to make a decision about Geno Smith's contract, whether to, if he's on the roster, he's guaranteed that that base salary of $12.7 million becomes guaranteed. If they're thinking about moving on from him, either to clear some salary cap space, which they need to do, or because they're, it's just time to commit to a younger quarterback, or both of those ideas, then they have to make that decision soon. Now you can do it. I mentioned this yesterday. You can do it afterwards. If 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 February sixteenth comes and goes and Geno Smith is still on the roster, doesn't mean they don't have options. They could re- rework his deal after that. They could trade him. Still, um, so it, it it's not necessarily a drop dead date. Other than if they are dead set, if John Schneider, as he sits in his office today, planning out what the Seahawks under him and without Pete Carroll being involved are going to look like. It's possible he's made the decision. This is the time. This is the year to, to get a good young quarterback. We need to do that. It's a good enough class. Let's go. If that's the decision, uh, then then maybe something is done with Gino. But one possibility, if you do move on, or or maybe a way that you can play this down the middle if you're the GM, is, and I don't remember the exact cap savings. It's not the full $12.7 million, But I think it's in there. It's 9, 10, 11. If you just release, for the sake of simplicity, if you just release Geno Smith before the 16th, and you plan on playing a young quarterback, you could re-sign Drew Locke for about the same number as you did last year. Six, seven million dollars. Is there going to be a market for him? Maybe in Tampa Bay, if they can't get a deal done with Baker Mayfield, we're already hearing that Baker may be in line for a, 
a $40 million, a Daniel Jones type contract now after the year he had. Um, maybe they balk at that and they say, let's go get Drew Locke and promise him a shot to start. But remember this. How often have we heard that John Snyder really likes Drew Locke? That part of the reason he liked that trade with Denver was because Locke was involved in it. We even heard some reporting that Philadelphia had made an offer at one point. And, you know, I don't think Russell was willing to go there, so it might have been a moot point, but negotiations were being had anyway. And you would assume if Philadelphia two years ago was trading for Russell Wilson that, J- that Jalen Hurts would be in that deal. And so here, you know, John Schneider has has said multiple times how much he likes Drew, liked him coming out in the draft. Pete's reiterated that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if, now that he is free to make his own decisions about the roster, what if John is intent on giving Drew his shot? Much younger than Gina, what was Drew, 26, 27? What if his plan is to roll with Drew and a draftee this year and move on from Gino? I just, maybe it means nothing, but it it could be something. <laughs> it just, my eyes got this big around when I heard that. And then I checked Twitter and nobody else picked up on it. Um, that's just all I'm going to have to say about that. Today is the 10 year anniversary of the Seahawks winning Super Bowl 48. And, uh, thought I would just give you a brief uh, story that I've never told on the show about how that went down for me. So at the time, I was in the midst of a pretty long run of uh, managing restaurants and bars. And that particular year, I was managing uh, a wing joint, right? I was managing a, a sports bar and a wing place in the U District. And so we threw a huge Super Bowl party, obviously. Place was packed. Had all my staff there. Um you know, wings and pizza and beer were flowing throughout the game. Uh, it was so much fun because obviously just the way that game went from the very beginning, I'm having a great time. We've, we're giving away prizes. I'm on the microphone, kind of playing MC and, and running the whole thing. And with about four minutes left in the game, game's decided, but you're waiting for that moment. You're waiting for that moment that as a fan, I've waited my entire life for where the confetti comes down and it's official and the Seahawks are world champions and everyone rushes the field and the trophy presentation, all of that. That's the moment you wait for, even when you know the game is over. I didn't get to experience that moment because with about four minutes left in the game, all the, we blew a circuit and it was the circuit didn't control the TVs. 
or the lights or anything else. So the fans were all able to enjoy the game. But the circuit that it did blow was the one that controlled all the point of sale systems, all of our computers, where you ring in orders and take payments. Four minutes left in the game. Everybody is about to want to leave. 150 people. And they're all going to want to cash out and get out into the streets and party. And everything crashes. So I, you talk about, I mean, I had to shift from Seahawk lifetime fan about to celebrate a Super Bowl mode to, oh shit, what am I supposed to do? Check the circuit breaker. Wasn't, that wasn't working. Tried. Long story short, I had to go in our storeroom, find uh, a really long extension cord. I think it was like a hundred footer, one of those big orange commercial ones. Find a plug that worked, run it, which was nowhere near where we needed it to go to, to power our computers. Uh, it was literally upstairs, had to snake the extension cord all the way downstairs to plug it in and pray that we wouldn't overload that and blow that, reboot the computers. And, uh, you know, I don't think the guests really noticed anything. They were able to cash out ultimately and leave, but I missed out on about a 15 minute window of that celebration. Um, it was a real bummer. It was a real, um, just a missed opportunity. Something I'll never get back. Right. But fortunately the happy ending here or the, the, the best part of the story is that I, I got to have my moment a little bit earlier when Jermaine curse scored his touchdown, his pinball touchdown, for me, that was the moment. For some people, they said it was when Harvin returned the kickoff in the second half or Baldwin's touchdown. For me, it was that curse one because you just never know. You got Peyton Manning on the other side. Crazier things could happen. They could mount a massive comeback. When curse scored that touchdown, that's when it hit me. Seahawks are going to win this. Seahawks are Super Bowl champs. Had my cry. <laughs> Had my cry. And got to soak in that moment without any distractions. So thankfully I had that moment. I wasn't saving that up. I wasn't expecting it. It just hit me. Um, and so, you know, I at least got to enjoy that. Um, maybe next year on the 10th year anniversary of, of the disaster, I'll also tell my story about where I was in the moment when we came up short. Uh, that's it for today. If there's any breaking news on the uh, coordinator spot, um, if I'm near my studio, I'll hop on and react to that. Um, always follow, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. It's where I espouse my thoughts and let you know about shows coming up. And once the staff is filled out, we start getting to where we can really focus on the draft, the combine free agency, start lining up some guests. Uh, the Senior Bowl is Saturday. I will react to that later this weekend. Although, um, here's another piece of news. I, I know, I know. It's only been four months, but I am moving again. Just um, same building, just a just a bigger spot. Um, and so that may, uh, that may delay things for a couple of days uh, over the weekend. And then, uh, and then we'll have a whole new looking studio once again um, from much higher up. 
Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for watching as always and supporting the channel. Be sure to subscribe at all the places and do all the things. And uh, until the next time we talk, forever and always, go Hawks.